Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well, let's go to Matthew chapter 24 tonight. And uh, we want to continue with this that, that we've been looking at over the last number of weeks, several weeks, turning to the Word or turn to the Word. Amen. And uh, in, 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 in any situation under consideration, we have to ask ourselves, what does the Word say? Now, this is so important because uh, what, what we want to be getting out of this series is this. Here's where a lot of people make a mistake. They're fighting a situation, dealing with a situation, and they're putting all the pressure on themselves and on their faith. You're supposed to put the pressure on the Word. All right? Because what, what people will do is, I've heard this over and over again, well, I guess I just didn't have enough faith. Well, that's, the Bible says a mustard seed amount of faith will pluck a tree up and throw it in the sea. Is that right? The pressure's on the Word. You're turning to the Word, all right? The Word is always the higher truth and the higher authority. And because of that, it's deserving of the greater respect. All right? It's the higher truth and the higher authority so it is therefore deserving of the greater respect. The Lord said to me, the word is so important because it contains your covenant. And every promise is a blood sworn oath to your good and for your victory. Your part is in simple faith, believe in and stand on your covenant. That's your part. In simple faith. Now, Matthew 24 and verse 35 is a very familiar scripture, but I want, I want you to see where we're going tonight. Matthew 24, verse 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Amen. Amen. Now, in all three of the Gospels, of, of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of them, uh, Jesus used this exact same phrase. Matthew 24, 35, Mark 13, 31, Luke 21, 33. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, notice, will not pass away. Well, what we see when he says heaven and earth, he's not talking about heaven, the place. He's talking about the firmament, the heavens that we see over us, and this earth, as we know it, will pass away. All right, the Bible says it's all going to pass away in a flame of fire. It's got to be refurbished. It's got to be cleansed, all right, from the stain of the curse. And, and Jesus will return and rule and reign on this earth for a thousand years. But what you see above you and what you stand on right now is going to pass away. All right? Now, why is this important? Because heaven, the heavens and the earth are the most enduring thing that you have in your memory. 
because it's been there ever since you've been here. There's not a time in your life you don't remember the sky or the earth. I mean, it was here when you showed up. It's the most enduring thing that we know of. And Jesus uses the most enduring thing that people know, and he says, what you see here that looks so enduring, that's going to pass away. But my word is more enduring, and it will not pass away. Why is it that heaven and earth will pass away, but the word will not pass away? Because the word created heaven and earth. And the creative source is always greater than the source that's created. Hallelujah. So, he said, my word will never pass away. Why is this? Let's look at Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 89. Notice that he says... Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Now, the reason this is so important is he says forever. The word forever, of course, is eternity. It means eternity. So for eternity, your word is settled. Your word stands. Your word stands firm. Your word is stationed. Now notice, where is it stationed? Where does it stand? Where does it stand firm? In heaven. All right? Now, why is this so important? Because what is settled on the earth has to be settled in heaven. Has to be firmly established in heaven so it can be firmly established in the earth. All right? And the, the, the reason that the word is firmly stationed, firmly established in heaven is because of what the word is. All right? So he said the word will never pass away, so it won't pass away because it's forever for eternity settled. In other words, God has come to a settled conclusion that this is my word. This is my word. All right? Now, this is because of what the word is. Look at 1 Thessalonians 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. The Apostle Paul, in talking to the Thessalonians, he says... For this cause also we thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God that you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believes. One translation, I believe it's the Amplified Bible, says it's exercising its superhuman strength in you. All right? Now, so notice what the word is. It is the word of God. Now, here's what most people think. They hear the word of God, they think book. 
If, if you point to a Bible and ask people, what is that? Well, that's, that's the Word of God. Well, we shouldn't think book, but a record of God's Word, God's sworn oath given to man. This contains the Word of God. All right? A record of the covenant that God entered into with everybody who will believe. It's a record. What, what God agreed to, he did not agree to it in secret. He agreed to it and bound himself to us to it and then gave you a copy of what he bound himself to. All right? And that's why he says over and over again, you need to come and you need to put me in remembrance of my word, not because I forgot, but I, I need to know that you know this is what is in your covenant handbook. This is what's in your covenant policy. And you bring that covenant policy to me and I am honor bound to do what I said in the covenant. Hallelujah. This is important because, because there are people that will tell you that the word's truth but then right out of the other side of their mouth, they'll say, I just don't know why God didn't. You just called God a liar. That, that doesn't work. That doesn't mix. If every word is true, if, and we're going to get into this in just a moment, if this is a blood-sworn oath, if God can't lie, are you following me? This is important. This is the mindset you got to take. What hinders many people in, from, from the word working in their life is they look at it as something God said, but they don't look at it as something that God is honor bound to do because he said, if this word passes away, I will cease to exist and everything will come to nothing. Everything. That's why the word is settled in heaven. It stands firm in heaven. All right? Amen. Now, glory. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 7. He says, no. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith now, that's us. The same are the children of Abraham. And the, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations be blessed. That was the gospel he preached. All nations in you will be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Now, this is important, and I'll tell you why. The children of Abraham by faith are blessed with the same blessing that God pronounced on Abraham. It's not a different blessing. It's the same blessing. All right? Now, hallelujah. And it, because you can read it in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. God made a promise to Abraham. And he said, I want you to get out from among your family, leave your, leave your country, Go to a land that I will show you. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. And in you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. Amen. Now, this is important because the Bible is a continuous 
book. All right? We've talked about this. I, I taught on this for weeks. It's a, it's, the Bible is a covenant book. It's sealed with blood on both ends. It's the blood of bulls and goats in the first covenant, the blood of the spotless Lamb of Christ in the second covenant. But the covenant that God made with Abraham is, is the essence. It's it. The covenant that God made with Abraham is what is the basis of our relationship with God. Because that's how we, the only way, the only reason and the only way that we could have an opportunity to believe on Jesus Christ is because God found a man named Abraham who would believe him and would go into covenant with him. And God said, through you, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. I had an opportunity to believe on Jesus because Abraham believed God. Amen. And he said, I'm blessed with that same blessing. Now, here's the thing. When people hear that, they, they think blessing, they think all the things. The blessing is the covenant. The blessing is the right to have God as our covenant partner. You see, when you get a covenant mindset, the blessings come. Because they already belong to me. They're already mine. People work too hard to get blessed when the blessing's part of the covenant. It's just there. Amen. Listen, it's, it's like, now, now for any right-minded person, any right-minded person, man or woman, if you came to me and said, what does it feel like to be a man? I'd have to go, what do you mean? I don't, I don't understand the question. How do you feel like a man? See, there's no answer. I'm, I've always been this. Well, what does it feel like to be a woman? What do you mean? When somebody comes to you and says, what does it feel like to be blessed? What do you mean? Part of my covenant. I just am. It's the, but it's, here's the key. It's the same blessing. Why? Because there's only one covenant. There's only one covenant. There's only one blessing. Hallelujah. And, and, and what we have to see is that the first covenant and the second covenant, the first covenant didn't end. The second covenant was attached to it. It was a continuation. Where people miss it is they'll say, well, under the old covenant, they're talking law, not covenant. I taught on this extensively. They're talking, they mean law, not covenant. The old covenant, as they call it, never passed away. Because that's the covenant we were brought into. What passed away was the law, meaning the ceremonial law. The law of sacrifices, the law of feast days, amen. The law of jubilees, those, those, those are gone. They were fulfilled in Christ. But Christ died on the cross to bring me into the covenant of Abraham so that I could be blessed with the same blessing that God blessed Abraham with. The very same one. Hallelujah. God wanted you to be in covenant with him so badly that he sent Jesus to die on the cross and take our sin and take our shame and take our defeat 
so that we could be brought into a covenant that we can't earn, that we can't be good enough to have, that we in no way qualified for, but because of us being in Christ, he qualified us for it, and we walk in the same covenant that Abraham walked in. Mm, glory. Hallelujah. See, that's, that's why you got to have a covenant mindset. A covenant mindset is a mindset that says, I'm going to believe what the greater part of the covenant said. We're going to read this in just a moment. The Bible says that men swear by the greater, and that when the greater puts his mark down, that that's an end to all conflict. It's an end to all strife, because the greater has given his word. God came on the scene as the greatest one there is, and gave his word. There's none greater. There's none greater. Do you understand? So you, that's, that's what you put your faith in, what the greater said. See, to believe the circumstance over the greater is to deny the covenant. Part of Abraham's covenant was I'll bless them that bless you, and I'll curse them that curse you. Part of the covenant that God brought his people into was your enemies will come out against you one way and they'll flee from you seven ways. Part of the covenant was one of you will put a thousand to flight and two of you will put 10,000 to flight because of the covenant. Amen. Did, did, am I helping you? Verse 9 of Galatians 3, notice what it says. One translation, the New Living Translation says, all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Notice, this is so important. They share the same blessing, the same one, the same one, not a different one, the same one. All right? Amen. Now, Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, notice, right after the word tree is a colon. What that means grammatically is I can put the word so there, S-O, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Now, you can't separate the covenant and the blessing. So if the blessing of Abraham came on the Gentiles, when Christ died, I entered into the covenant that produced the blessing. Oh, hallelujah. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith or the promise the Spirit made to Abraham. Abraham heard God talking to him. He just had to believe what he was hearing. You and I have a covenant record of what God said to our covenant father, Abraham. And when we believed in our heart and confessed with our mouth that Jesus was Lord, we believed what the greater said. And the moment we made Jesus our Lord, we received the same promise that Abraham received. We just received it through the Spirit and through our faith. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Glory be to God. 
Oh, hallelujah. Do you see this? Now look at verse 29. And if you be Christ, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Hallelujah. Heirs of the covenant. Heirs of every promise that God gave Abraham. Oh, I don't know if you, I don't, I'm just going to ask you a question. How does it feel to be undefeatable? Cannot be defeatable. You cannot be defeated. I said you cannot be defeated. Amen. Now this is so important. Because when you become covenant minded, it's the basis for faith. Now, let me, let me say this. I'm taking my time. You in a hurry? No? Okay. This blessing is because we're in Christ. All right? Christ is the covenant seed. Now, only in covenant do you understand, can you understand this being in someone? All right? Uh, in the book of Hebrews, it says, uh, well, let me, uh, well, I'll just quote it. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about Abraham tithing to Melchizedek. And it talks about here men receive tithe, but there he receives it. But the writer of Hebrews makes this statement. He says, even Levi, meaning the, the head of the Levitical order, the priestly tribe, the son of Jacob, Levi, here he receives tithe. But it says he paid tithe gave tithe to Melchizedek because he was in his father Abraham when Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Only through covenant can you understand this being in someone. All right? When David came out to fight Goliath, Goliath is on the other, other side of the valley. He's been taunting the Jews for 40 days. And what did he say? He came out and he said, send a man to fight me. And he said, if he defeats me, we'll serve you. And if I defeat him, you'll serve us. Right? So Goliath is there representing the Philistines. None of the Israelites will come fight. Saul's hiding in the tent. David comes out. You know, you know the story. David comes out. Who are you to defy the armies of the living God? And today I'm going to take your head off of you. I love David. He shows up to the fight and he goes, what do you get if you kill him? <laughs> Amen. Now, now people say David knew his covenant. David knew what God would do for him. He, he testified to Saul. Saul said, you can't go fight him. He said, let me tell you, there was a bear that I wasn't supposed to be able to fight and a lion that I wasn't supposed to be able to fight. 
And he said, this Philistine, this dog, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. He'll be dead. By the time I'm done, he'll be dead. Right? But here's what I want you to get. He goes out there and he sizes up Goliath and he kills Goliath. Amen. Now, all of a sudden, all the men that were hiding, now they're up, they grab their weapons and they charge the Philistines. Where was their victory? Their victory was in David. David is the one that defeated the enemy. They didn't do anything. David fought the fight. David defeated Goliath. Their victory was in David. We did nothing to defeat death, hell, and the grave. Jesus did it for us, but we're in Christ. And because we're in Christ, we're recipients of his victory. And we're in Christ because we have a covenant with God. Amen. Amen. And, and, and that's what's so baffling to the devil. Because we're in Christ. And because we're... Now, in Hebrews 6. Hebrews chapter 6. And that's why you can't, cannot ever allow these truths to become flippant. Because listen, you'll, you'll hear, oh, yes, 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 I'm in Christ, I'm in Christ. Listen, if you ever get the real revelation that you're, and, and I'm not saying you don't, I'm saying a person, let me say that, people in general. If they ever get the real revelation that they are in Christ, their days of defeat are long gone. They are so long gone, they won't even be able to see them in their rearview mirror. Because when you realize who you are in Christ, when we say that very often, we think, we think of status. We think, no, in Christ, I'm a covenant child of God. God the greater is my covenant partner. And he said, I'll fight your battle. I'll turn your enemies from you. I'll make the crooked places straight. I'll bring the high places low. I'll cause the desert to bloom for you. I'll make a way where there seems to be no way because I'm the one that has the responsibility. You can't do it. You can't make a way where there is no way. I'm the greater part of this covenant. I can do that. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's why we see hints of that covenant in, in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 when Paul was, was battling that uh, thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet him. And he went to the Father three times. He said, three times I besought the Lord that he would take this from me. And every time he went, the Father said, my grace is sufficient for you. And finally Paul said, you know what? I got it. There's things I can't overcome in myself. i got to turn to the greater and allow the greater one in the covenant to do this for me. Your grace. Grace is a provision of the covenant. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. And, and, and i got to constantly turn to the greater. You're the greater part of this covenant. Amen. Don't, don't, don't fight your head. Don't beat yourself up. Turn to the greater part 
of the covenant, the greater one, the one that willingly entered into the covenant, the one that willingly swore by himself because he could swear by no greater. He knew every mistake you were going to make. He knows every mistake you're going to make. He knows every failure you've ever made. He knows every failure you're going to make. And still yet, he is not ashamed to be called your God. And Jesus is not ashamed to be called your brother because there's blood between you and God. Covenant blood. Covenant blood. And in that covenant, he made this statement. He said, I'll redeem you. I'll wash you from all your iniquities. I'll forgive your sins. I'll take that stony heart out of you. And I'll put a heart of flesh on the inside of you. And I'll call you my friend. And I'll walk with you. And I'll live in you. And I'll take up my abode with you. Because we got a covenant. You got to grab that. Abraham's descendants went into bondage and, and, and uh, the New Testament in Acts chapter 7 tells us they were there for 430 years. During that 430 year period of time, they largely forgot God. And the Bible says in the book of Exodus chapter 2 though, that God heard the sighing, the groaning of the children of Israel and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he came down to deliver his people. Oh, glory to God. See, when the Bible uses phrases like the Holy One of Israel, he doesn't sleep or slumber. That, that's covenant talk. You, in other words, your covenant partner saying, you can't watch all night, but I can. You can't, be, you can't be awake all day and all night, but I can. I'm watching all the time. My eyes are roaming to and fro to see who the righteous are so I can show myself mighty, so I can show myself mighty, so I can show myself mighty on their behalf. In reality, there is no other mighty being in the universe except our covenant God. He is God. Deuteronomy chapter 7 says your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. Glory to God. Glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Think about that when you're eating turkey tomorrow. Glory to God. But I, I, I got to keep that in my mind. That the greater one swore an oath. Now, Hebrews 6 is where we were going. Verse 13. When God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And what did he say? Surely blessing I'll bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. Verse 16 says, men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Now, this is important. A covenant with an oath is non-negotiable. It cannot be altered. This is important. God made promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Get up from your family, out of your land, into a land that I'll show you. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. Right? 
That was the promise. That was the promise. Abraham existed on that promise from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, the Lord appeared unto Abraham or unto Abram and said, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Walk before me and be perfect. Abram said, what can you give me? What should you give me seeing I go childless? And, the, and my heir is this Eleazar of Damascus. And the Lord said to Abram, this, this will not be your heir, but one that comes out of your own body will be your heir. Is that right? And he took him abroad and told him to look at the stars and said, if you can tell the stars, if you can number the stars, that's how many your seed would be. Do you dare read verse 6? And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted it unto him for righteousness. The promise was given in chapter 12. God reiterates the promise in Genesis chapter 15. The next verse. How will I know? How will I know? How will I know? And what did God say? He said, you go take a, a, a heifer of a year, a ram of a year, a turtle dove, some pigeons, right? It's important. We see the promise in Genesis 12. We see the oath in Genesis 15. Now, now this is important. I'm going to read you these verses in a minute. Am I, are you all okay? God cannot lie. Listen to me. It was enough in Genesis 12. God can't lie. Genesis 15 was God's willingness to show us the unchangeableness of his word. Not only did he say, I'll do it, then he stood in blood and swore to it and didn't have to because he can't lie. Amen. He can't lie. That's why when the thought comes in your mind that God's not going to do something or this isn't going to happen, you better jump on that and you better jump on it immediately and you better get your covenant policy book out and you better quote your policy to that thought. Why? Because perish the thought that God will not do what he said. He stood in covenant blood and swore an oath that he would do it. Amen. Abraham woke up and saw God walking through those pieces. And as he walked through those pieces, he was swearing an oath. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'll be a God to you and I'll be a God to your people. And they're going to go into bondage and they're going to be evil and treated. But I'm going to visit them and I'm going to bring them out. And he bound himself to that. When men entered into a covenant, it was sealed with an oath that both of those parties agreed to. They took their oaths and they called on God to be their witness. That was the guarantee of their covenant. In the covenant we've been brought into, God swore by himself. God swore by himself. Now, here's, here's what I mean. If Jamie and I were entering into a covenant, whichever the one of us is greater in that regard, Meaning, maybe, maybe he has more funds than I do. Maybe he's of a better reputation. Maybe he has more land or whatever. He's the greater. We swear by him. I'm going into the covenant with him. He's the greater. Because he has more substance. Are you with me? He's the senior partner. 
He's the initiating partner. He came to me and asked me to go into covenant with him. I can't afford to go into covenant with him. I don't have anything he would want. But he found me. Woo, glory. Do, do you understand that? There was nothing that you had that God needed. Uh-huh. But because you believed on Jesus, the greater. The greater. Are, are you following me? So God comes to Abraham and he looks around. There's nobody greater except me. I swear by myself. So what's he do? Knocks Abraham out. Abraham goes into a deep sleep. He wakes up. God walks this way through the pieces. God turns back around and finishes the route. He has walked, he has walked the greater's way and he's walked the subservient way. And he says, you don't have to do anything but believe me. I'll, up in, I'll uphold both ends of this covenant. You just believe me. Just believe me. Just believe me. See, that takes all the pressure off you and it takes all the pressure off. I got to work my faith. I got to do everything I know to do. Your part is in simple faith. Believe that you are in covenant with the greater and the greater said, I'll do it. You just believe me. Amen. Does that, does that help you? That helps me. Ah. This is the absolute certainty of our covenant. It's made by God, and it's kept by God. Your covenant is made by God and kept by God. Anywhere God mentions the covenant to his people in the, in the first covenant, in the, in the first testament, he says this, all you got to do is do what I tell you. Read it, Exodus, Exodus 15, Exodus 23, Deuteronomy chapter 7, Exodus 26. He says, if you'll believe my commandments, hearken to my words, do what I tell you, I'll take sickness from your midst, the number of your days I'll fulfill, just do what I tell you, and I'll uphold my end of the covenant. And we say his end of the covenant, both ends are his. I know there's a manward part and a Godward part, but here's your part. I'm trying to make this easy on you. Here's your part. Believe the greater. Believe the one that swore by his self. Here you go. Believe the one who cannot lie. For God to swear by himself to keep this covenant means if he does not perform the terms of the covenant, he'll cease to be and everything falls into nothing. You understand? I've, I've, I've had people say, I've had people say, well, even if God told a lie, it would become truth automatically. God can't lie. If God walks, if God physically walked through that back door and looked at Jeremy and said, it's Friday, change your calendar, Jeremy. It's Friday because God said, and God can't lie. 
Yeah, but I know it's Wednesday. Well, you're wrong. God said it's Friday. It's not a lie. It's truth. Think about this. Think about this. And, and, and I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for enough of you because I'm looking around this room and the majority of you either got saved in this church or got a hold of the word in this church. Do you remember the first time you started calling yourself righteous? You had never thought about being righteous? Now, Michelle, you're blessed because you didn't have a bunch of that religious hogwash to get rid of. That's a blessing. But you, right? And you said, I'm the righteousness of God. And you wanted to go, Ooh. Like Kim, Kim Pritchett, sitting on the back row. And I was teaching on being righteous. And she said she leaned forward and looked that way and looked this way and thought, does anybody else think he's just a little full of himself? Because that's how religion thinks. Now listen, understand this. When Paul wrote in the book of Romans, he was writing two groups of people. And he, quote, and, he, and he said that misquoted scripture. There is none righteous, no, not one. Right? Now, why would he say that? Because they were arguing in that church about I'm righteous because I keep the law. I've been circumcised. I observe the feast days. I observe all the, the dietary laws. And the other group was saying, no, we're righteous because we have it by faith alone and we don't observe all that. And Paul goes, all of you all are missing it. You're basing this on what you're doing and in, in yourself, none are righteous, not one of you. That's why he had to say, I am the righteousness of God. Here it is. In my covenant partner's righteous, and because my covenant partner's righteous, I'm righteous. I'm not righteous because I earned it. I'm righteous because the greater approached me and said, we're in covenant, you're righteous. See, here's how covenant works. If I'm the, I'm the greater, and I'm in covenant with Anthony, now watch, this is so important. Am I helping you? And Anthony faces a situation. Let's say he needs to have a new car. He can't have a new car. He can't afford it. He comes to the greater. We're in covenant. I need a new car. I'm in covenant. I cannot deny myself. I have to get him a car. Not, I have to. And there are people that they take that wrong. God has to do what you present him with in his covenant. Well, you can't boss God around. Not bossing God around when I approach him on the terms of the covenant. One time in our ministry, I had to let a person go. I call it letting go. You can call it fire if you want. I had to let them go. And I've had people say, why? They weren't living up to the terms of their contract. This is what we hired you to do. You're not doing it. Right? 
You can never go to God and say, you're not living up to the terms of your contract. Because he can't lie. He can't change. See, somehow people think God changed from the first covenant to the second covenant. I'll hear preachers preach that. God hasn't changed. He can't change. He said, Malachi chapter 3, he said, I'm God, I change not. I don't change. Am I helping you? Look at, look at Titus 1-2. Titus 1-2. I'm, I'm hurrying. I'm almost done. Because I, I got I to gotta get you to see something here. The only thing waiting at you, for you on home is pizza and the news. Your bed. That's it. Come on. If I, if I keep you long enough, it'll really be good sleep. Thank you. Now, now I'm joking. I'm not gonna, I, I have about five, six minutes. I'll, I'll get done, I promise. Titus 1-2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promise, before the world began. When it says cannot lie, it literally means without lie. God is without lie. God is without the ability to lie. No being that's 100% truth can lie. I won't lie to you, but I can but I won't. I won't because I choose not to. God cannot. Cannot lie. And, and he, doesn't, he, he doesn't have to fight the urge because he's 100% true. So when someone says, well, I was believing God, but he didn't. Uh-uh, stop. You're talking about my covenant partner who cannot lie. You never, a covenant-minded person never says, why didn't he? I was believing, but he didn't. My part is in simple faith, believe the covenant. Now, see, that's a, that's a mindset shift because we have whole theological thought processes of trying to explain to people why God didn't do what he said he would do. The problem with that is there's nothing in the Bible that helps you explain why God didn't do what he said he would do other than my belief in what he said. And I've had people tell me, you can't tell people it was because they didn't have a strong enough faith or enough faith or whatever. Well, what else am I supposed to say? What religion says we don't understand why God didn't do it. He promised he would do it. How can I get up here and tell you God cannot lie and then tell you, I don't know why he didn't say why he didn't do what he said he would do. Take, take the scripture in the, in the book of Exodus where he said the angel was going to go before him and he said, and you shall, he said, you shall serve the Lord your God and I'll bless your bread and your water and I'll take sickness from your midst. He didn't say I might. He didn't say I can. He said I will. Now, somebody deals with the sickness and it wasn't taken and somebody in their family or something like that goes to a minister and says, God said he would take this. Why didn't he take it? 
well, we don't understand. God had a purpose. God had a purpose in lying. That's what he's saying. See, a covenant mindset is, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. My covenant partner can't lie. I got to up what I believe about him. Amen. Now, Pastor, you just don't understand. No, people don't understand the covenant. When you understand the covenant and what God has bound himself to, amen. God's spoken word is enough because he cannot lie. Here's here's part of where I wanted to get you to. So when God made a promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, that was enough because he can't lie. God would have done just what he said because he can't lie. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 that God did that so that he could prove to the heirs of promise, that's you and I, the unchangeableness of his counsel. Amen. Isn't that great? God wanted us to understand his unchangeable purpose. So he added to his promise a covenant oath so there would be no doubt that he would fulfill every promise he had made. We can rest our life on the covenant oath of God. That, listen, that's when my life changed, is when I found out I could rest my life on the covenant oath of God. Not just believe what I read, determining this was a covenant oath and I can rest my life on it. Pastor Michelle used to go work nights at Price Chopper. We were living in Grandview and she, she actually she worked the 3 to 11 shift and so she would leave about 2.30 or I would take her to work usually and, and go back and pick her up and when I'd get all those kids and all of our kids in bed uh, then, then I'd get in the word and I, I'm seeing these things about the covenant. Now, we don't have nothing. We have nothing. Now, I know we hear stories like this all the time. We have nothing. Nothing. She's, she's having to work nights because we have nothing. I'm working every hour they'll give me, and we're, we're learning to believe God. And there's one night that she drove, she drove the van, the minivan we had, to work. I didn't need it or, or whatever. Usually the reason that, that I would drive the van is I'd take the kids to church and, and then I would, I would go pick her up. I'd put the littlest one in the car with me and leave the older two asleep at home a long time ago. But one night she came in and I heard the door open. I heard the door open, heard the key in the door in the lock. And boy, I, grabbed my, I was back in the bedroom and I grabbed my Bible and I came running down the hallway and I said, Michelle, there's blood between us and God. I got it. Listen to me. That was the day everything started changing in our life. And I did not see buckets of money show up. I didn't see everything turn, but I figured something out. I'm in covenant with the greater. 
And if I'm in covenant with the greater, why do you think he says things like, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you because I'm the Lord and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Why do you think he told us all of the things that he has in heaven, where he lives, the things that he made his city out of? He's letting you know anything, if I can make 12 gates of one solid pearl per gate, I can do whatever you need me to do financially. If I can take a city that is 1,500 miles square. Can you imagine the, the massive amount of streets in a city 1,500 miles square and God the Father has made those streets, not paved them, made those streets out of solid transparent gold. He put that in the covenant book to let me and you know, whatever you need down here on this earth that's going to pass away, I can get it to you because I got enough. I'm the greater. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Think about that. Let me tell you about my walls. They're made of jasper. Amen. Amen. Let, let, me, let me tell you about the foundation stones. They're made of every precious stone that there is. Diamonds, topaz, beryl, chalcedony. They're all, they, every precious thing or metal that you could imagine, God has built his city out of it. That's your covenant partner letting you know whatever you need. And, and this is the only way I know to say it. Whatever you need, it's chump change. I got it. I, I need you to see this. With your covenant partner, numbers mean nothing. You cannot get a number big enough to bother him. Only your covenant partner can multiply seed sown. But he does it for you every time you sow. And he doesn't have to pry one stone out or pry one hunk of gold out of the street. That's important. Look at, uh, you got time for one more, two more? God swore this oath to reveal to us what he eternally is. He's faithful. Faithful is a huge covenant word. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we believe not, he abides faithful. Why? He cannot deny himself. He cannot Deny himself. What does that mean? Everything God is, he always is. See, there's nothing two-faced about God. Nothing deceitful. Everything he is, he always is. And notice what it says. Even if we don't believe, he stays faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. That's why you read all through the first covenant and he makes statements like, he, he talks about his people backsliding and he says, but I'm going to go call for him. 
I'm going to return to them. I'm going to bring them back to me. I'm going to redeem them. They're going to go into bondage, but I'm going to redeem them. Why? He can't deny himself. He promised that he would do that for them. Can't deny himself. Oh, hallelujah. Look at Deuteronomy 32, 4. Deuteronomy 32 and 4. Mm. Well, you know, I just believe the Lord sends some things to you to teach you a lesson. But see, that goes contrary to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 says you're only good. It says you only do good. Psalm 119, talking of God, says you only do good. Well, Brother Pastor, what about Brother Job? God didn't do that to Brother Job. The devil did that to Brother Job. And he did that to try to make Job turn on God, but Job wouldn't turn on God. Well, he blamed God. He didn't know who else to blame. He didn't know anything about the devil. And so he figured if God blessed me, God's the only one, God's the only one that could bless me. He's the only one that could take it away. And the Bible says twice that in everything that happened to Job, he didn't sin with his lips and he did not charge God foolishly. That's Bible. It's important. Deuteronomy 32, 4. Notice what it says about God. He is the rock. He is the rock. His work's perfect. All of his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. But notice how it describes him. He is a, he is the, not a, the rock. That's not a rock like you see on the ground, a rock that you can pick up. That, that's a rock like Gibraltar. That's a rock like Pinnacle Mountain. That's a rock. Unmovable. Why? That's the essence of faithfulness. Amen. Psalm 18.2. I got one more after this. We're going to get it. We're going to get it and walk in it. Psalm 18, 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower. God is incapable of making a promise he cannot perform. For God to speak his word is for it to be done. If God said it, it's done. It's done. Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25 and verse 1. O oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I praise your name for you've done wonderful things. Notice, your counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. So we have faithfulness and truth. So we have faithfulness again, this covenant word. Notice, he doesn't have truth. He is truth. My faith is in his faithfulness. 
Your, your faith is in his faithfulness. In other words, we trust in his character that what he's spoken, that's what he's going to do. Because of my covenant. Amen. Not, not going to happen just because I say it. It's going to happen because I believe it. Amen. When the enemy runs up against a covenant person, he, he, has no, he has no ability to overcome them. None. When the enemy runs up, listen, when the enemy runs up against a Christian, he has no ability to overcome them. None. Why do you think the Bible says the greater one lives in you? I don't miss that. That's a covenant term. Because God could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. The greater one's in me. The greater one in what? The greater one in the covenant. The greater one's in me. The greater one in the covenant is in me. We have to rest our life on the covenant oath of God. And that's not being flippant. That's not hiding the bills under the rug and saying, well, I got a covenant, we'll be okay. Mm, no, that's not, that, no. The covenant is not intimidated by what you got to deal with. The covenant fixes what you got to deal with. Right? Let me finish with this story. A friend of mine was praying for a man one time that uh, had cancer, and this man was just emaciated. He was just emaciated, sick, and uh, dealing with cancer. And uh, he went in to that room, and he said, when he looked at him, here's this man that just wasted away to like 79 pounds, just horrible. And he said, I'm sitting there thinking, what, what do I have to give him? And he said, you know, I, I chit-chatted a little bit, and his wife came in. He said, I walked out in the hallway and was just, just walking around asking the Lord to help me because I got to go back in the room. Now, you know, a lot of people would just went in there and blowing and going, and I rebuke cancer, and you dirty devil, and, and, and well, they would have missed it. But he came, he came back in there, and he took the man's hand. You might help me. Do you remember what he said exactly? Oh, and yeah, I remember. He said, in the hallway, the Lord brought the scripture to him in 1 John where John said, he, he was talking about the man, uh, if you see your brother sin in a sin that's unto death, and he said, he said, the man that sees it will ask of the Father, pray for him, right? And then he will give him the answer the man needs, the life that he needs, all right? And he said, I had it. I could go back in there and I could give him the life of the word. And he said, I went in there and I took his hand and I said, I said, uh, uh, can you believe the life of the word is working in you? And, and he said, the man kept saying, thank you, thank you. He said, no, the life of the word is working in you. Say it, the light of, life of the word is working in me. Right? I mean, that's what he, you can say it too, but that he asked the man to say it. And the man said, thank you. He said, no, say Jesus has made me whole. 
He said, thank you. He said, no, say Jesus has made me whole. Now, his mind's all befuddled, all the drugs and the cancer drugs, right? And finally, the man said, Jesus has made me whole. And he said, I thought, we got it. And he said, his wife came in and was talking to him and said, honey, you know, how you doing? He said, Jesus has made me whole. He said, I, I walked out, I was walking out the door and I heard the man say, Jesus has made me whole. And this guy was a doctor and one of his doctor friends, one of his doctor friends was, was his doctor and he came in to check on him and he said, how are you doing? He said, Jesus has made me whole. He said, what, what do you mean by that? He said, Jesus has made me whole. A couple of days later, his wife, was reading to him from the Gospels, and she was reading to him from the account where Jesus fed the 5,000 with the five loaves and, and two fish, two fish and five loaves. And he said, uh, he asked her, he said, reckon what kind of fish that was? She said, well, I don't know. He said, well, I'd like some fish. Now, he hadn't had solid food in forever. She tried to find some fish in the hospital. Everything was closed down. She went to McDonald's. And got him two filet fish sandwiches. <laughs> Nasty. <laughs> but anyway, took those two filet fish sandwiches, and he ate both of them. He ate both of them. Has not had solid food in forever. Amen. It's just a matter of days. He was out of that bed. Now, now hear what I'm trying to say. Hear what I'm trying to say. Jesus has made you whole. Why did Jesus make anybody whole? Because of the covenant. Because of the covenant. Jesus still makes people whole because of the covenant that God has with his people. This is important. The greater ones on the inside of me. When, you, when, you're, when you're declaring the word of God, it's, it's the word of the greater part of this covenant. I'm telling you, wherever you find yourself tonight, you hear me, everything's going to be all right. Everything is going to be okay. Your days of shortage are over. I said they are over. And whether, whether you know it or not, you have turned a corner. This body has turned a corner. I'm telling you what, you've turned a corner and you're running smack into increase. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. And, and I'll tell you why. Because our covenant partner said you will increase as you have increased. He said I will increase you more and more, you and your children. And so very often we use that just as a promise for our kids. That's a covenant promise from our covenant partner that he will increase us more and more. As much as you've increased over the last number of years, you're going to increase more and you're going to increase more because I'm in the same covenant that Isaac was a part of and he sowed in the land of famine and the Bible says in that land of famine, he reaped a hundredfold that year and not only did he reap a hundredfold, we shout about that. It says the man waxed great, meaning he became great and he went on and became very great. That's increasing you more and more. We get a return on our harvest and God makes us great and we go on and we become very great because of our covenant. So you go to sleep tonight with no pressure on you because the covenant's holding it up. That's it. Let's stand up tonight or I'll keep preaching.